Hey everybody, hydroxychloroquine, hunter, and heinous voter fraud. What do they all have in common? Well, that's the story of 2020, and the lesson will determine the future of the country. Please consider supporting our program at charliekirk.com slash support. Your support of our program helps the Charlie Kirk Show team expand, do research, travel, and give you two episodes a day, sometimes one episode, when we're really busy. We're at our Turning Point USA Student Action Summit, but we do our best to give you two episodes a day at charliekirk.com slash support. You guys can get behind our effort, put us in a position to succeed, charliekirk.com slash support. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. Hydroxychloroquine, Hunter Biden, heinous voter fraud. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Each episode of The American Story aims to reveal a small piece of the truth about what makes America beautiful, good, and worthy of love. From our country's beginning, from sea to shining sea, stories about America, about the big things and little things we share as a people, inspire us to be more devoted to our country, connect us with those who have come before us, and help us be better friends with our fellow Americans. These are stories of pioneers, presidents, athletes, neighbors, artists, veterans, inventors, natives, and immigrants. Americans whose aspirations, sufferings, achievements, and sacrifices are woven into the fabric of our country. The American Story is a weekly podcast that tells the stories of the men and women who answer with their lives. Every generation, the defining question is how should we live? It is their answer to this question that have made America beautiful and worthy of love. It is our answers that will keep it that way. Listen to The American Story for free on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. To learn more about The American Story, visit The American Story podcast.org the american story podcast.org uh, senator mitch mcconnell yesterday came out and said that he wanted to congratulate joe biden and we made the point here on this program why would you congratulate someone when they definitely have done not just something suspicious but do you congratulate someone after they rob a bank do you congratulate somebody after they do something morally suspicious? Of course not. And so going out of his way to congratulate former Vice President Joe Biden is a great way to lose the Georgia Senate runoffs. Now, I was not alone in this criticism. Um, independent of any coordination, uh, Mark Levin, Dr. Gorka, and many others came out and really let Senator Mitch McConnell have it. And what we have right now is the need for a constitutional reset in a lot of different ways. The great reset that is being pushed by the Davos crew and the Davos clan um, is really going to be threatening to our country and our sovereignty. What we need, though, is a constitutional reset. Not enough people in our country understand why the Constitution was written, its value in our country, what it exactly is supposed to do. So you see, the Constitution is the greatest firewall against tyranny, against 
demagoguing politicians and populism gone wrong. You know, there's populism that we support here in the Charlie Kirk show. But what happens when an angry mob in the inner cities of our country in particular want power at all costs? This is one of my biggest complaints with how the activist media has been covering what's happening in our country. You see, the activist media, they say frequently that we are a democracy. We are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. What's the difference? Well, democracy in its purest form means that all of us would vote on every single bill, every single issue in Washington, D.C. We would be the people actually voting on legislative measures. It would require massive amounts of voter participation. However, a constitutional republic is especially through a representative democracy, is where we send people in our place to go represent us in Washington, D.C. We send people in our place to go to Washington, D.C., and despite how much conspiring or planning they do, they cannot take away our God-granted natural rights. They can't take away our right to freedom of assembly, our Second Amendment rights, our rights to privacy. You see, No matter how hard they try, they can't take away the Bill of Rights, even if they have 51 votes, if they have 58 votes. Now, if they have two-third votes, they could add constitutional amendments. However, the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, have never been challenged or tried. They've been added to, enhanced, and clarified. But despite how, no matter how hard the politicians, under the guise of democracy, no matter how hard they try, They will never be able to take away those natural God-granted rights. That's what makes a republic different than a democracy. And that distinction is more than semantics. That distinction is civilizational altering. That distinction is whether or not we are going to continue to have a country that is based on the rule of law, private property rights, debate, discourse. What measures does the Constitution still give us to clarify the fraud that happened in early November? What measures do we have left to be able to make sense of all this? Hunter Biden, hydroxychloroquine, and heinous voter fraud. What do those things have in common? Hunter Biden, hydroxychloroquine, and heinous voter fraud. Well, those three things were the test case, if you will, for the censors, for the tech companies and the data companies to silence and stifle dissenting and disagreeable opinions. The Chinese coronavirus outbreak has impacted everybody. I lost a dear friend who had the Chinese coronavirus. Back in March and April, many of us did not know what we were dealing with. I remember in early March speaking to a good friend of mine from Dallas who called me and he said, Charlie, I think that there is an anti-malarial medication that very well could solve a lot of these problems. Hydroxychloroquine. As this gained in popularity, the president talked about it. There was a sudden rush to try and 
disqualify hydroxychloroquine. I found this to be puzzling. And despite this, uh, Dr. Zelenko, who is from New York, talked about how he gave hydroxychloroquine to his senior citizen patients, many of them, and almost all of them were able to beat the Chinese coronavirus. Now, hydroxychloroquine is typically used to fight lupus, amongst other uh, health complications. It is widespread. It is cheap. It is easy to make. No pharmaceutical company would get rich off of the production of hydroxychloroquine. As soon as people such as myself and others started talking about the positives of hydroxychloroquine, we were met with an unprecedented full court press from the activist media, from the so-called experts, from the tech companies, from the social media companies that were taking down accounts, suppressing conversation that were demeaning anyone who dare disagree that mandatory vaccinations were the only path forward. Back on March 29th, 2022, remember when the Novartis CEO said the malarial drug hydroxychloroquine is the biggest hope against the coronavirus? This story got conveniently hidden. The Lancet Journal then came out with a piece of propaganda alongside the American Medical Association. They came out and they said that hydroxychloroquine is unsafe and unproven. A group of very brave scientists came out and they started to find issues with this report. They started to see that it was done through almost fake studies, unsubstantiated. However, the activist media, Dr. Fauci, the FDA, and the people in charge that are supposed to keep you safe and healthy were lying to you. Probably because there was no money to be made when it came to hydroxychloroquine. Now, I never got off the hydroxychloroquine issue. In fact, I personally take hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. I believe hydroxychloroquine can work for some people. And what does the FDA say about hydroxychloroquine? Well, the Food and Drug Administration has come out and they say the following, that hydroxychloroquine is not safe. They say this, the Food and Drug Administration came out and they said they cautioned against the use of hydroxychloroquine. And cautioned is different than making it illegal or saying do not use it. They were playing a, a word game at best saying that hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine for COVID-19 outside of a hospital setting or a clinical trial could have some risk of heart rhythm problems. Now, this is in direct defiance with what previous guidelines have said in regards to hydroxychloroquine. And WebMD.com shows that the Lancet retracted their hydroxychloroquine study, and the American Medical Association did as well. The American Medical Association actually voted on hydroxychloroquine prevention order and keeps it in place. So how many people have actually died because of these politically motivated hacks? This is not scientific, what I'm about to say, but it is true. Every person that I have given hydroxychloroquine to that have asked for it 
or I referred it to them. I didn't know I was not necessarily the one that gave it to them, but I was the one that strongly urged them to go find it through a medical professional. Had a complete and total turnaround. One of our colleagues at Turning Point Action, many of you have seen him on the live stream, I won't say his name, but a family member of his was struggling with the Chinese coronavirus. He immediately asked me what to do. I connected him with Dr. Simone Gold and taking zinc, vitamin D, and hydroxychloroquine, a complete and total turnaround within hours. Within hours. I have many other success stories similar to that. Again, that's not a scientific study, but Dr. Zelenko reinforces that. Dr. Simone Gold reinforces that. Dr. Erickson reinforces that. I have successfully taken hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. So why is it that we're not even allowed to talk about it? Very similar to how we were not allowed to talk about the Hunter Biden story right before the election. It's because the tech companies are doing the bidding of the Great Reset, Globalist, Open Border, Mandatory Vaccination, Bill Gates agenda. That's why. It's because hydroxychloroquine might have actually been able to solve this more so and quicker than mandatory lock lockdowns. Now, I say this as not a scientist and not an epidemiologist, but the scientists and the epidemiologists have been wrong about everything. Dr. Fauci has been wrong about everything. Dr. Fauci in late July, he said, all valid scientific data shows hydroxychloroquine isn't effective in treating coronavirus. So very similar to how Joe Biden leans on the fake reporting, saying, well, it's been debunked that my son is under investigation. Dr. Fauci used the fake studies in regards to the Chinese coronavirus and hydroxychloroquine as a cudgel to lean against to say hydroxychloroquine does not work. Fauci said the public has to got to follow the science. What does that actually mean? Remember, Dr. Fauci never criticized the BLM Incorporated protests. He never criticized any of the rioting or the looting or the Los Angeles Lakers celebration after the NBA finals or the Joe Biden celebration of people in the streets. Dr. Fauci didn't wear his mask properly at the Washington Nationals game. It's okay to protest, but it's not okay to go see your dying grandmother. You know how many people I know that have not been able to say goodbye to loved ones? Even people that had the Chinese coronavirus were not allowed to go in to go see their loved ones, meaning they already were immune to getting it again. A Yale epidemiology professor, Dr. Harvey Risch, said if the anti-malarial drug were used more widely in the United States, especially as a prophylactic for medical workers, anywhere from 75,000 to 100,000 Americans could be saved. He stated that in July. Now, the AMA rescinds. It's starting on page, it rescinded starting on page 18 on a recent AMA memo issued on October 30th. How many hundreds of thousands of lives could have been saved? You understand they're lying to you about everything that matters. And that's the through line here. Is that the activist media and the data companies and the tech companies, they have now become the pseudo Gestapo for the entire country. For the ruling class, I should say. They don't like what you have to say about hydroxychloroquine, a pill that could solve this. You lose your Twitter account. They don't like what you have to say about Hunter Biden, like the New York Post or Kaylee McEnany. You lose your Twitter account. They don't like what you have to say about heinous voter fraud. 
you lose your Twitter account. This is not even being done by our government. You see, we have constitutional protections against this form of interference and censorship, the First Amendment being one of them. What constitutional protections do we have against the tech companies that take down favorable news around hydroxychloroquine? I have found a creative way to actually talk about hydroxychloroquine on my Twitter account, where I don't talk about the positive results. I just talk about the fact that if I talk about the positive results, I might actually be taken down from Twitter. For example, I say, why is it that when I share the positive stories of people I know who took hydroxychloroquine and saw immediate amazing results, Twitter, the tech companies will shut me down. See, I didn't talk about the positive results. I'm asking the question that if I talk about the positive results, I might be taken down. So no different than people trying to avoid the glavilt, the Soviet censors. We now must find ways to speak in code to communicate to all of you. 2020 will go down as the year that the masters of the universe, the puppet masters, controlled you and controlled us. They locked down our entire country, which ended up being one of the stupidest, dumbest mistakes ever in American history. That very well might break the back of American capitalism and free markets as we know it. They masked up the entire country, put us in a perpetual state of fear. Meanwhile, a cheap, accessible option was not even allowed to be discussed. And I'm not saying everyone should go take hydroxychloroquine right now. That's not what I'm saying. Instead, what I am saying is that the stunting and the preventing of the conversation is so incredibly dangerous to our society. The election would have been different, even with the voter fraud, if we were allowed to speak about Hunter Biden. And we can't even talk about the voter fraud now. And yet most of Americans are completely and totally okay with this because they don't want to be free. They want to be taken care of. They want to go back to their very simple lives where they are told what to do. The American Medical Association quietly has admitted that they lied about hydroxychloroquine. Rush Limbaugh had an amazing segment on this. How many lives could have been saved? How many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives could have been saved? Not to mention the lives from the lockdown. Instead of allowing any form of conversation or discussion around this, instead of allowing people to tell their truth and their testimony, the tech companies and the data companies and the information manipulation companies, which is really what they should be called, they punished anyone that dared talk about this. And this is what I find to be so perplexing about these corporatist Republicans, I put that in quotes, who go out of their way to defend the tech companies who say, well, it's a free market. First of all, it's not. We gave them a guaranteed piece of regulation, Section 230, which is the lack of a free market that allowed them to have immunity from any form of lawsuits. We do not have a free market when it comes to tech. We have a corporatist oligopoly. It is because of tech companies in particular that the hydroxychloroquine discussion ended. People were afraid from saying anything positive in regards to hydroxychloroquine. And when you talk to the tech companies about this, many of them would say, well, our position is that we are going to trust the public health experts. The public health experts that were wrong about everything. 
These people remain experts despite being incorrect about everything. Death rates, infection rates, lockdowns, suicides, economic costs, all of it. A Henry Ford study came out and talked positively about hydroxychloroquine. Dr. Fauci came out and he said it's flawed. Dr. Fauci is one of the most dishonest, disingenuous, probably corrupted individuals to serve in our government in recent memory. There are more people that died because of Dr. Fauci than anyone that I can think of in recent memory. However, we weren't even allowed to criticize Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci was posing on the front of magazines, fashion magazines, becoming an icon and a, somebody to look up to. Dr. Fauci would have had no trust, no following, and no credibility if we allowed freedom of speech and dialogue and discussion to occur. Instead, because we have these multi-trillion dollar companies that control everything that we say and everything we do, America is now made in their image. Thank you, weak Republicans and Chamber of Commerce Republicans that allowed these massive tech companies to shut us all up. What's the result of that? Joe Biden winning Arizona, even with the fraud. By the way, we're not allowed to talk about the fraud either. That's the third part of this. So this entire year, 2020, is the year made by the tech companies. If the tech companies would have allowed freedom of speech and dialogue and viral content to spread that challenged the lockdown orders, that would have talked about hydroxychloroquine, that would have allowed dissenting opinion like Dr. Simone Gold and Dr. Erickson without taking down their videos, people would have resisted and rebelled in very little time and the rulers would have had no credibility for good reason. Instead, we are now still locked down nine months later. The corporations are more wealthier than ever before. The stock prices are greater than ever. Inflation is going to destroy the middle class and benefit the ruling class. You want a recap of 2020? 2020 is a year where normal people that were trying to improve their life or their lives or their families' lives were suppressed and misled by a selfish, evil, immoral group of people where a cheap pill very well could have saved tens of thousands of lives, hundreds of thousands of lives, where the election outcome could have been completely different if people would have just known that Joe Biden was running an international criminal enterprise. And now, imagine if we actually could have a real conversation around voter fraud. That, too, is being suppressed. 2020 will go down as the year the tech companies conquered America. Protecting my family is my number one priority, but I want to do it safely and most importantly, legally. You need a taser to protect yourself and protect your family. A taser is a non-lethal self-protection device. They're small, they're lightweight. You can carry them in your glove compartment or purse, yet they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker. And it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. Taser devices come loaded with features like laser-assisted targeting and emergency dispatch. Look, there's bad people on the loose, so go get a taser right now. Protect yourself and your family. 
And it's really kind of fun. It's taser.com. That's it. It's T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code Charlie. That's it. You save 15% now at taser.com, promo code Charlie. It's a great product. We've taste tested it out. I didn't test it out on any people on the Charlie Kirk show. I tested it out on, we're not going to get into that. So taser.com, and here's my recommendation. Only test it out on people you don't like. You'll see what happens. Taser.com, promo code Charlie. The most powerful people on the planet, the people that have the most money, the most influence, the most access to capital that control the most powerful companies, they tried to make America in their image, and they largely succeeded. This is a hard thing for us to admit. It's a hard thing for us to admit that the masters of the universe, the masters of Menlo Park, if you go back in January, all the way fast forward to today, just in 2020, they pulled off a decade of transformation in 11 months. Think about where we were back in January. Critical race theory, BLM Incorporated, were considered radical movements and radical pieces of thought. Not at Google, though. At Google and at YouTube and at the Masters of Menlo Park, they considered critical race theory to be a religious text. They considered Herbert Mokuza and Angela Davis to be what I would view Isaiah and Elijah, prophets of what is to come, of some form of Hegelian dystopian nightmare. The country was not as digitized. Donald Trump was experiencing one of the greatest economies in American history, if not the greatest economy in American history. Where are we 11 months later? And why are we there? 11 months later, the richer, richer. Google and Facebook are more powerful than ever before. Normal people have had their voice suppressed. Anywhere between 250 to 275 to 300,000 people have died from the Chinese coronavirus. The lockdowns have killed dreams, ambitions, and human beings through suicide and other means. How did all of this happen? Aristotle famously said that we are the speaking beings. If we do not have the ability to speak and communicate, we are no different than the animals of the wild. Aristotle was a scientist. He was, some would call him an empiricist. It's not a perfect categorization, but he cared about what was happening in the natural world, where Plato cared about what was happening in the clouds, the space of ideas. Aristotle cared a lot about what was actually provable and based in reason. That's why he is called just the philosopher in a lot of traditions. So when you're not able to speak, when you're not able to spread ideas, don't be surprised when your entire civilization starts to unravel. So when you're not able to say, hey, um, I think hydroxychloroquine might actually work, then all of a sudden your YouTube account gets shut down, your Twitter account gets shut down, your Facebook page gets shut down, you get fired like Dr. Simone Gold. These Soviet-style tactics that are used suppress speech. So what ended up happening? There was a massive PR push done by some great doctors, Dr. Erickson, Dr. Simone Gold, amongst many others, to try to just start a conversation on how hydroxychloroquine could be helpful. I am not going to say on this program that I have any sort of special medical insight into it. I will say, though, 
I take it as a prophylactic. People I know that have taken it have seen very positive results. Everyone should have the liberty and the capacity to see what will work for them. By the way, I listen to a good amount of Joe Rogan. I think Joe Rogan is brilliant in what he does. Isn't the whole idea behind mass drug legalization the idea that there might be something out there that people are preventing from you using that might be good for you? Isn't that the whole reason why we have now decriminalized or legalized hallucinogenic mushrooms? Not something that I necessarily support, but isn't that the whole reason why that happened in Denver and it's happening across the country? Why there's this huge movement to be able to use DMT amongst other quasi-psychedelic drugs? However, that kind of discussion is perfectly okay. Everyone wants to go live in Aldous Huxley's world? Fine. But if you dare want to go take hydroxychloroquine, that is considered heresy. In a lot of different ways, it's almost a return to scholasticism. Uh, scholasticism is something that the Catholic Church employed, and this is not a criticism towards Catholicism, it's just a, a fact. When Galileo Galilee came up with the heliocentric theory of the universe, and they locked him up for it, and they had the famous trial of Galileo. Now, I'm not comparing Dr. Simone Gold or Dr. Erickson, who are friends of mine, to the great discovery of Galileo. What I am saying, though, is that the attack and the criticism and the pseudo-crucifixion, I use that word intentionally, of anyone that dare talk about hydroxychloroquine resulted in more lockdowns, more fear, and eventually an entire population looking to the Leviathan for answers. The same with Hunter Biden. So the tech companies and the data companies that punished, ridiculed, silenced anyone that talked about hydroxychloroquine did the exact same with Hunter Biden. And by the way, as I'm saying all this, our YouTube channel might just magically disappear and a bunch of agents from the Food and Drug Administration might show up and arrest me for speaking about a very cheap drug that very well might help a lot of people that doesn't have to be a mandatory vaccination. Could be. The entire focus of this pandemic should have been no lockdowns, therapeutics, liberty, and responsibility. Instead, it was lockdowns, fear, and what can the pharmaceutical companies and politicians do for me? The exact opposite how a brave and wise civilization would handle things. Instead, it's a weak and foolish civilization. It's because we stopped actually valuing wisdom in our country. So with Hunter Biden, the New York Post comes with a laptop from hell, which was incriminating emails of Hunter Biden engage, engaging in unspeakable personal acts, not to mention selling out our entire country across the planet, 10% for the big man. And then Tony Bobulinski comes and verifies the authenticity of the laptop, shows his own WhatsApp messages with Hunter Biden. And if you dared mention that, you'd get locked out of your Twitter account. If you dare mention that, you could lose your entire life. We got locked out of our Twitter account a couple weeks before the election because we were talking about mail-in ballot potential fraud in Pennsylvania of a publicly available story that then got changed. Twitter locks us out of our account. So why is it all of a sudden we are where we are right now in mid-December where the rich are more richer than they ever have been? We've created another $5 trillion out of thin air, which will mean inflation for you and your family, which is not good unless you own hundreds of thousands of acres in Idaho. You're not going to benefit from inflation or you're a gold dealer. How did this happen? It happened because we were not able to speak. It happened because we were not able to have a discussion. It happened because somebody that might 
have a good idea or a differing idea, which you have speech for the disagreeable ideas. You have speech for the rights of the minority. That's always the idea of freedom of speech that disappeared because all of our conversations don't happen on newspapers. They don't happen outside of courtrooms like they might have in the 1950s or 60s. They happen here. They happen on YouTube. They happen on Facebook. They happen on podcasting. They happen on digital means of communication. And as soon as those means of communication start to get shut off, then are we really able to speak? There's a reason why it's the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. The founders realized if you do not have the ability to challenge, to question, to reason, then you have nothing. We're all just pawns in some form of a totalitarian experiment. It's the year the tech companies began to conquer the Western world. Meanwhile, strip clubs and cannabis dispensaries are open and churches are closed. And if you dare mention it, they'll ruin your life. There's actually a very good piece here. I can't believe I'm going to say this. From the Washington Post. Can you believe that? Washington Post actually did a good piece of journalism. But it's very helpful because it actually talks about something that we've been curious about here. And so as we've talked about, this year is laying the groundwork for a Bolshevik revolution. When the middle class disappears, it's a tactic. It's not a mistake. Whenever the middle class disappears, it's a tactic done by the ruling class. Vladimir Lenin famously said, you crush the middle class through inflation and taxation. We have plenty of both in our country. And without even looking at the numbers that intimately, we know that the richest companies, the most valuable companies, they've had a killer year in 2020. So while bar owners, restaurants, churches all remain closed, attacked, criticized, and ridiculed, the wealthiest among us are making out like bandits. Now, I'm a free market guy, but I'm telling you right now that if you do not get this set of circumstances under control, you won't have a free market. As Tucker brilliantly said, and no one listened to him last week, not enough people listened to him, I should say, last week, you don't get this under control you're going to have a Bolshevik revolution in our country very quickly. AOC could become president. A post-analysis found that 45 of the 50 biggest U.S. companies turned a profit since March. The majority of firms cut staff and gave the bulk of profits to shareholders. So they lay people off and then they go make more money. How does that work? It's because everyone's at home ordering packages You don't need all this overhead, all this retail. What a perfect captive audience. 21 big firms that were profitable during the pandemic laid off workers anyway. Berkshire Hathaway raked in profits of $56 billion during the first six months of the pandemic, while one of its subsidiary companies laid off more than 13,000 workers. Salesforce, Cisco Systems, and PayPal cut staff even after their chief executives vowed not to. Pandemic layoffs at the, U- at the largest U.S. companies, most big companies that cut jobs this year, cut staff from Walmart to Salesforce, as I mentioned, uh, Microsoft. But how about revenue? Are these companies actually making more money? Well, Amazon has a 35% higher revenue this year than last year. How about Facebook? Their revenue is up 17%. How about Microsoft? Up 13%. NVIDIA? They're up 46%. Netflix? 25%. 
As the Washington Post correctly reports, shoppers began splurging on cleaning supplies, hobbies, home cooking, and home improvements, driving record growth at big box stores, including Home Depot and Walmart. Now, mind you, they're not going to their local mom and pop store because you shut them down. The politicians did, and we let it happen because we weren't allowed to talk about any sort of therapeutic solutions. But the massive companies saw this as the great opening to permanently destroy the annoying little man. Even in the hardest hit sectors, such as restaurants, travel, and hospitality, the biggest companies were largely insulated from the worst of the virus's wet reckoning. First of all, the Washington Post says this incorrectly, of the lockdown's reckoning. Big difference. There's the virus and our response to the virus. While independent restaurants struggled to survive, McDonald's ramped up its takeout and drive through operations, rolling out new apps and technology catering to on-the-go orders. How about a revenue change for Home Depot? 9%. Walmart plus 6%. There's actually a really, really good quote here from the left-leaning American Economic Liberties Project. And again, I, we probably don't agree on a lot, but I don't care. This is post-political stuff that we're talking about, okay? I don't care what team you're on. If you don't address this, you're not going to have a country. He says, once you kill the competition, it's always hard to restore it. This is an extinction-level event for small businesses. They will go out like the dinosaurs did. They're never going to come back. This article goes through and talks about how the most liberal, they don't say liberal, but this is my interpretation, the most liberal company, Salesforce, and Facebook and Google, they've never had profit increases like the Salesforce. They're up 28% on the year. 28%. And not all restaurants were made the same because the big companies, they're weathering the storm. The little ones, they've been destroyed. This is why the most powerful people are pushing for lockdowns to make you more poor and addicted to corporations. Look, it's Christmas season. And a lot of you guys are emailing us, freedom at charliekirk.com. How do I give back this Christmas season. Look, I know it's been a tough year, but those of us that are Christians, we are called to help and to assist regardless of the circumstances around us. Whether we had a blessed year or a tough year, it's time to step up and do something. I think we all know that. That's why we are partnering with Angel Tree. Angel Tree is great. They help kids whose parents are in prison. It's not even about the fact of what their parents did. It's the fact that the kids are alone and the kids If they do not hear from their parents, they're more likely to also get involved in crime in the future. So let's really communicate the love of Jesus Christ with a personalized note from their dad and an access to a Bible in either Spanish or English. And that's what the Fellowship Angel Tree Program does. Last year, the Angel Tree Program blessed over 300,000 children of prisoners all across America. What's so cool is that if you give directly, it doesn't go to overhead or all that stuff. It goes straight to the kid, especially this Christmas season. And so let's just keep it easy. Just go to charliekirk.com. There's a banner on the top of it, charliekirk.com. And we are getting behind it. We're donating a little bit of money from the Charlie Kirk Show to Angel Tree because we really believe in what they're doing. There's an Angel Tree banner there on charliekirk.com. You guys can check it out and support what we are doing. Um, And I think that's really important because for a gift of $220, you can bless 10 children of prisoners with a personalized Christmas present and a personal note from their incarcerated parent. Plus, every Angel Tree family is also given access to free, easy-to-read copy of the Bible in English or Spanish. So check it out at charliekirk.com. 
very, very important. Thank you guys so much for that. The Masters of the Universe have pulled off a decade's worth of transformation in 11 months. We're still locked down. We're masked up. Our economies are going into ruin. Corporations are richer and wealthier than ever before. And a very interesting through line is that a lot of these bad ideas and a lot of these orders and these edicts all go through San Francisco. The Speaker of the House is from San Francisco. Kamala Harris is from San Francisco. The tech companies are from San Francisco. The companies that are doing the best are from San Francisco. And San Francisco now has come out and said that they are going to rename the Abraham Lincoln High School because former President Lincoln did not demonstrate that black lives mattered to him. The San Francisco Unified School District's renaming committee decided Abraham Lincoln High School will be renamed. The children of this school district are being taught by those of you that pay tax dollars in San Francisco, and I think we do have an affiliate in San Francisco, that Abraham Lincoln was not fully on board with the BLM Incorporated movement, that Abraham Lincoln wasn't woke enough for today's BLM Incorporated people. You see, if only Tahanisi Coates would have been around in the Civil War and he would have been president, everything would have been better. If only we would have had Rachel Dolezal as president in the Civil War, everything would have been better. If slavery is not wrong, nothing is wrong. It's one of the most famous quotes in American history said by Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln might be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, president in American history. He kept the union together. He did plenty wrong. The suspension of habeas corpus, some of his handling of Native American affairs, but it's a little more nuanced than that. He did grant clemency to 264 Native Americans. He said in 1858, I have always hated slavery, I think as much as any abolitionist. Now, I confess myself as belonging to a class in a country who contemplates slavery as moral, social, and political evil. The slave breeders and slave traders are a small, odious, detested class among you and in yet politics. They dictate the course of all of you. And as you are all completely your masters and as you are the masters of, and I won't finish the quote because it uses a word that we wouldn't use today. The quotes of Abraham Lincoln on slavery are unlimited, but his actions speak louder than that. You see, the BLM Incorporated Virtue Signaling movement pushed forward by the San Francisco elites, which I really believe San Francisco, Silicon Valley, Menlo Park, San Jose, that is the true capital of our country. It used to be that New York was kind of the most important city that really was the driving force of a lot of the cultural and economic change. That is no longer the case. It's San Francisco is the center of it. Eric Swalwell with Fang Fang. You got Pelosi. You got Kamala Harris, all the tech companies. And now this story is kind of the manifestation of all of it. San Francisco to rename Abraham Lincoln because they say black lives did not matter to him. Didn't demonstrate it. Black lives mattered so much to him. He literally went to war over it. Abraham Lincoln went scorched earth. In the modern day, they say white silence is violence. Well, Abraham Lincoln had the opposite of white silence. He had white mobilization to end the evil that is slavery. He upended the republic. He mobilized the north. And some people say the Civil War was not about slavery. 
it was partially about slavery. It was about states' rights. It was about sovereignty. But at the core of it, the reason things got very heated very quickly was because Abraham Lincoln believed that black people deserve citizenship and humanity. That's really what tore apart people. And it threatened the entire economic model of the American South. Abraham Lincoln kept us together despite the persistent attacks. There's a through line and a very interesting connection between two figures. And I believe God raises up tough but flawed men. All men are flawed in times of crisis to keep together what he considers to be moral and good. And those two men, who are the two men that are under attack by their own countries and the own ruling class, that our civilization probably would not exist in its current form without them, is Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill. Churchill is being taken down left and right all throughout London. We don't like this guy. What good did he actually do for us? Winston Churchill, come on. If I would have been in charge, do you understand how good of a person I am? I have an equality sticker on my Prius. I drink beet juice, okay? I'm a really good person. The San Francisco Unified School District has this kind of cockiness, this pride that they're teaching their students, imparting the lack of wisdom, saying that we are better people than you. Give us power. This is exactly what Robespierre did in the French Revolution. They always destroy the history. Oh, they're also taking down Thomas Edison. Why? I don't know. So are they going to rename Stanford University for his role in building the Transcontinental Railroad? Leland Stanford, who started Stanford University, and I believe was actually governor of California at one point. Are they going to rename that? But the difference is this, is that Leland Stanford did some good things for the country, did some pretty detestable things. He's not even on the same moral playing ground as Abraham Lincoln. He's not. Now, all men are flawed, but what Abraham Lincoln did was so heroic for the republic. It was so clairvoyant. It took so much grit and perseverance that we should be building schools with Abraham Lincoln's name on it. Not even contemplating taking it down. It should be mocked and dismissed. And this goes to the argument that we've been talking about here for quite some time. What country do you live in when San Francisco is now saying we renamed the Abraham Lincoln School because black lives did not matter to him? They're also renaming the George Washington School in San Francisco. The renaming committee, this is exactly what Orwell warned us about. These totalitarians can only operate in certain ways. And one of the ways is we must destroy all that came before us. Now, they will not rename anything that comes close to the Democrat power structure. But it used to be something where we could actually agree that the great Abraham Lincoln, who waged a bloody civil war to abolish an unspeakable evil, someone that's probably worthy of naming a middle school after or a high school. Now, why are they saying this, though? Here's why. And if you study the left, this makes perfect sense. You see, the left believes that they must destroy this idea of the white savior. The left believes that you must destroy this idea that it's the white person's role to save black people. This is where this all stems from. 
This all stems from this idea that there's a messianic complex within Abraham Lincoln. It's so incredibly foolish to believe that is exactly why we frame Abraham Lincoln as a positive hero. But what they're basically saying when they level that criticism is that any action that was taken by anyone that was white at the time is not worthy of our praise. It's worthy of the deletion of our history completely and totally. So then I asked the question that I asked yesterday, what do we have in common with somebody from San Francisco? We can't agree that one of the greatest presidents in our history was actually a good president. We don't even speak the same language. Even if they speak English, they're using gender pronouns and racial sensitivity nonsense. We don't have a shared culture. What are the ties that bind us together? I hope that somebody can tell me what they are. If you're unable to find them and we don't have those ties that bind us together, then do you actually have a country? And when does that country all of a sudden cease to exist? Outside of a unified currency, I have nothing in common with these self-righteous bigots that run the San Francisco Unified School District that want to take down the names of George Washington, Herbert Hoover, Thomas Edison, and yes, Abraham Lincoln High School. I have nothing in common with these people. And they say the same about me. They say to me, they say, I have nothing in common with those conservatives, those terror, those Trump people. And so now you have an entire generation that will soon demand the Lincoln Memorial gets taken down, the Washington and the Jefferson Memorial get taken down. You have an entire generation that will know nothing of the heroism of the Civil War, the moral clarity that Lincoln possessed. And really, when you think about it, it's the left that is seceding from us. Some people on the activist media say that the Trump people are going to want to secede. No, 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 no. You have seceded from us. You're starting something that is not America. You want to create something that is unrecognizable. You are leaving us. We're not leaving you. We are the status quo constitutionalists. We actually believe that our country is worthy of preservation, understanding, and protection. You are bitter arsonists that want to destroy everything in your path, including renaming the Abraham Lincoln High School. You voted for Joe Biden. This is what you voted for. They want to leave us. We don't want to leave here. We are the ambassadors of unity. They are pushing for something very dark that I hope never comes. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez demands new leadership. She says Pelosi and Schumer need to go, but warns of a Democrat power vacuum. Don't worry, you're powerful enough to fill the vacuum, AOC. She has come into the scene here, and she has. I, I would love to see her primary, Chuck Schumer. And she says, I do think we need new leadership in the Democrat Party. I think one of the things I've struggled with, I think that a lot of people struggle with, is the internal dynamics of the House has made it such there are very little options for succession. AOC is very popular in the Democrat Party. She's popular because she talks about the number one issue in the country, even more so than Republicans talk about it, which is who is financing our elections, who is behind the decision-making process, who's actually in charge. And AOC is a fool when it comes to economics, when it comes to public policy, but she has a form of brilliance when it comes to 
how she presents herself to the public. She presents herself as a crusader for the little guy against the big guy. And in a year where the biggest corporations have made out like bandits, where wealth inequality is growing more than ever before, where people are waiting in food lines just to be able to survive, and the multi-trillion dollar class in San Francisco is doing better than ever before, AOC's message is about to resonate more than ever before. Now, if Republicans are smart, we actually beat her to the punch on this because her way of addressing it and analyzing it is actually widely unpopular with people. Mass redistribution, creating more money out of thin air, universal basic income, social liberalism, where AOC comes out and she says sex work is real work today. Okay, good luck winning Iowa. Just please try try your best. I mean, I think you could win a couple precincts in Las Vegas, but that's about it. And AOC should be taken very seriously. She has a very significant following. She understands the needs, wants, and anxieties of working people. And she's better than most Republicans at communicating it. Now, most Republicans have done, let's just say, a dirty deal. Still receiving financing from tech companies, from major corporations, so that they may remain in power. But if you don't do anything with that power, then what good is it? Remember back when the Republicans controlled Congress back in 2016? We controlled the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Did we challenge any of the tech companies? Did we reform Section 230? Did we permanently change any of the relationships that we had with China? No, we cut corporate taxes. And eventually where this all leads, unless we do our job, unless we become the ambassadors of small versus big, of the many versus the few, if we, just, if we do not participate in that argument, they're going to find a much more articulate, a much more mainstream, and a less, a less socially radical AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Elon Omar, and they're going to win 60 to 70% of every single election. If the Democrats and, and AOC were not radical on social policy, on immigration, and just focused on corporate criticism and the small versus the big and the many versus the few, that's how all of a sudden you win the industrial Midwest. Whereas if you actually want to win the entire country, if Republicans actually cared about that, they'd spend less time mocking AOC because that's fine, but it's completely, it's not just useless, it's just not helpful. And we do that enough on this program and other people do it. Instead say, why is it she's so popular? And some people say, well, she's popular because she gives out free stuff. Like you have no idea what you're talking about. She's popular because she offers a voice for people that have felt so disenfranchised for so long, not dissimilar from Trump. If the Republicans continue to be the corporate Republicans and do the bidding of the Chamber of Commerce, it'll be the death of the Republican Party like it was the death of the Whigs. You double down on what Trump started, they will be have the death of the Democrat Party. And they will represent an ever unpopular socialist worldview. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you want to get involved at Turning Point USA, go to tpusa.com. 
Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. If you want to support us, go to charliekirk.com support. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. God bless. Speak to you soon.